Apple presents events at the Apple Store. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Charles Thorpe from Men's Journal. Hey, guys. Um, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon for uh, the Apple Talk session about uh, the creative team uh, from The Color of Time. Um, we're just going to show a quick trailer right now so you know you're familiar with the material we're going to be talking about. Um, here we go. I slip up on her, <laughs> hold her for a moment. I have things I want to do. What, and I don't? Let her go. I got a customer. And I grew up around here. Birmingham, hoity-toity. Hoity-toity. My mother all through my childhood. Love, <gasps> grace. Whoa, stop, don't do that. So fierce it was, so strenuous, aggressive. Get a wolf it so hard. Love. <laughs> Take care of us. Take care of us. Please. Just be here. Just, Just be, be here. here. Complicity. Wonder. How pure we were then. were there all along. Love, take care of us. Please. Okay, with no further ado, I'd like to introduce James Franco, Bruce Terry Chung, Pamela Ronowski, and Shruti Ganguly. Hey guys, congratulations on the film. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, first, James, how did you get introduced to C.K. Williams' work and uh, what drew you to making uh, the films out of this poetry? Well, I um, was at NYU for film and um, with most of these people and um, we're we were required to make a series of short films um, and I found from my first film on that um, it was very, um, uh, I got very inspired by making, uh, by adapting poems into these short films. They, the size really worked and, but more than that, it, working with a poem as a source broke up my um, preconceived ideas about what, how a film should be shaped what should be the main focus of a film. And there are certain things that are so ingrained in film school teaching and um, students' ideas about how a film should be shaped, you know, like a three-act structure and a rising action and, um, you know, the conflict should be established by this point and then resolved by this point, that um, I really 
loved, you know, working on something that that broke me out of that. And a lot of, and I found like, oh yeah, you realize a lot of that idea of what works is really based on, you know, what has sold in the past, you know, and and the way that we have been um, showing movies for the last hundred years, mainly in theaters. But now, you know, not only are the way that we show movies and shows and videos, you know, changing so much um, that I didn't need to, you know, with these these kinds of films, I didn't need to worry about the commercial side of things as much. That I wasn't doing these kinds of projects to make a ton of money. I was doing it really for the for the art. So I I really liked the way that a poem as a source um, got me to think about tone in a new way, about imagery in a new way, and and rhythm and and you know. Gen usually when a movie is a, an adaptation of something, usually it's working from a short story or a novel or a nonfiction article. And those are all things that usually are very strong on kind of narrative structure, maybe character. Poems, you know, their strengths are rhythm, tone, the, you know, the way that they're lineated, the way that they sound, um, the imagery evoked. And I, and, and the poems that I chose were, you know, narrative poems. They did have stories in them. They did have characters in them. They weren't completely abstract. But what was primary was something other than narrative. And, um, and so once I graduated, I went back the next year to teach. And um, this was the first class that I taught. And I, I wanted the students to have that similar experience. I wanted to you know, bring them poems to work from so that we could, as a class, kind of break out of these preconceived ideas of structure. Not only that, I really liked using this book in particular for a whole class with you know, 12 different directors because it was a single book with you know many poems in it but they were all they all seemed to revolve around a central character a central poet figure that seemed somewhat based on CK himself and so that allowed me to give you know each uh, each student could pick his or her own poem to work on and adapt but they would also be thinking about how that individuated piece would work in connection with the rest and how their piece would add to the whole and contribute to the whole. And in that way, it would made the class both, you know, it allowed for a lot of room for each student, each director to bring his or her own kind of creativity, own ideas to his or her own piece, but it also, made it the whole class collaborative because they were thinking um, how their piece fit into the greater whole. So it kind of gave me everything that I wanted as a, as a teacher. Um, and Bruce, you're the through line um, throughout the film's 12 different directors. I mean, it's an amazing feat. And working with different directors, but with James, you know, maintaining uh, the main character, um, 
what was the challenges in working with so many different directors and what were the benefits of having the same uh, lead actor in that situation? I feel very, I feel very lucky to be able to work with such amazing directors on on the color of time, Pam, Shruti, Tina, Edna, Virginia. It, it was, it was a very, very eye-opening um, experience for me, especially as a young cinematographer. Um, every day, I, I learned so much um, from set. You know, I would come back to my, I shared a, a you know, I shared a hotel room with the other DP on the shoot. Pedro and you know every night we'll come home from shooting and we talk about you know like how much how much you know we learned and how somehow how much we were able to accomplish in such a short day like James has this great energy where um, he always wants to shoot he doesn't just want to shoot what's scripted you know when whenever there's like a free moment you know like would 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 go out into Detroit where we made the movie and like still scenes, still moments, still improv with other actors, you know, and just like make it as organic and as free as possible. And, and as a young filmmaker, that was very eye-opening because I didn't know you could make a movie that way. I didn't know you could just do it, you know? And I think that's what I learned the most from this project was um, how we can just do it, you know, especially with the tools that we have, we have in our hands now, you know? And uh, speaking to the directors, Shruti, um, starting with you, I mean, what was the challenges in being part of one of a dozen different directors? And was that something that, you know, what were you trying to bring to your version? Was there, were you trying to make a through line or were you just interested in telling your own story? <clears throat> I, I think that everyone connected with a certain poem in a very specific way and adapted it um, in a very, in their, you know, with their unique take on it. And I think we were so communicative and collaborative in terms of overall structure and themes and ideas. Um, and that's how we built a timeline, how we found that characters and themes were repeating, as James said, and we built an aesthetic language. So at the same time, while you were conscious of your own, you were so aware of the whole that you were a part of. And for this to work, you had to recognize that you were gonna try and do something bigger. But at the same time, the beauty with this particular project was kind of diving in and being comfortable with not knowing how things will go and where this will go. And it's, it's kind of amazing that what started out as like an idea some years ago is now on screen. And that's really exciting for us. So, um, I mean, I've learned a lot. This was the first film I produced. And so also producing it with 11 other very, you know, talented, opinionated NYU Tisch grad students was really, you know, was amazing. It was a challenge, but it, it has been such a journey and we all collaborate and work together still and have a foundation for friendship and for work. Pam? Um, well, the question is about how Just okay. the difficulties in working with you know eleven other you know, you know creative minds on a one through line and um, you know the benefits of it you know. Um, I think that it was a really amazing lesson to learn starting out our careers. Um, collaboration is everything in this business, and so you know the challenge of working with eleven other directors is is a thing. But we are all you know great friends and really cared about each other and trusted each other. Um, and had a lot of time to work on it. But I, I think the skills that we learned about 
you know, being clear on what we were trying to do and letting go and, you know, accepting happy surprises and obstacles and turning those risks into opportunities. Um, that is a lesson that I think really changed my life and changed a lot of our lives. And, you know, it's an instrumental thing to learn. Um, you know, like Bruce said, there are ways that you think you're going to make a film. And then this kind of opened our eyes to a whole different way. And, you know, I worked with Bruce and James on another movie. And, I, you know, I think that we on this film developed a lot of trust and freedom and ability to say, you know, let's see what happens. Let's find it in the moment. Let's find it together. Um, so, it, you know, collaboration is a critical skill to have. That's excellent. And um, James, going to the amazing cast, I mean, it's incredible, the people that came out. You know, Mila Kunis, who you obviously you've collaborated before in the past. Um, Bruce Campbell uh, makes an amazing uh, little turn in there, and then Zach Braff. I mean, how did you go about the casting process for this, and how did you guys sort of work to, you know, get these people interested and involved? Were they uh, excited about the experience? And Jessica Chastain and um, Henry Hopper, is in it, and I'm in it. And um, um, yeah, this was you know this was my first class as a film teacher, and um, since this class, um, I've taught many more like it. And this was kind of the paradigm for for everything I've done after. And so now I'm in the middle of my fifth year as a as a teacher, and I've found that. You know, it has to be the right kind of actor, and I and I have a pretty good sense of you know who to ask now. Like people, you know, some actors just are too busy, or they just don't they just don't have any interest in working with people that have less experience than them. They're you know I don't know what it is. They're afraid or um, feel like they you know give back in other ways and just don't have time to to give back in this way or whatever it might be. But there are some actors that are very generous and um, are excited to work with um, younger filmmakers. And Mila and Zach certainly, and, and Jessica were certainly um, of that ilk. And um, Zach, you know, had been to film school and so he knew exactly what, you know, these these student directors were were going through, and I think was really impressed by the um, ambition behind this project, and that it wasn't just a bunch of student filmmakers each kind of making their own thing, and we you know kind of put it together as a showcase. That actually we were trying to construct a um, a feature film, um, and so and then. He told me after he did it that he was so happy that he did it that it took him back to that pure time when filmmaking was new, when he was doing it with wide eyes, really doing it for the love and for the art of it. And that's what a lot of these actors have told me, that it, it reminded them about, you know, of why they got into acting or making films and um, and that there is, you know, still purity in, in what we do. And not that, you know, big commercial films can't be artistic, but there are certainly a lot of other commercial considerations and marketing considerations that come in um, 
and um, that needed to be navigated once you leave, you know, the pure space of, of film school. And, um, and so they were all really happy to do it, and they had a, you know, really great, great, great time on the movie. Um, speaking of uh, Mila Kunis and your collaborators, I think we have a clip that we can show now of uh, you working with Mila. Is that a compliment? I think so. Maybe. You think so? Did you say you think so? There are, oh, well, there are plenty of people <laughs> what? that would die for that nose. <laughs> I come in here, cheer you up. But there are also you plenty of cartoon characters that <laughs> no, have that nose. Stop, <laughs> stop. Stop where you're ahead in that one. Can't get out of it. You got best smile. Yeah. Oh, my eyes go. Cool. But the people that vote are blind. It's a great little moment, and uh, I want to throw it to you, Bruce. You know, when you're working as a cinematographer um, and you're working with your director to make an actor comfortable who's coming into some project that's sort of beyond their control, you know, one part of a 12-piece sort of a collaboration, what do you do to make somebody comfortable in that situation? Is there some way to uh, sort of open it up, the creative process, quickly? Is there one, is there like a quick... Uh, Shortcut to that. Um, actually, for 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 this clip here, uh, uh, Pedro shot that, and I and I directed that quick scene. Um, and for I think there, for me as a, just as a person, I, I I try to be very you know very open and and collaborative, wherever wherever whenever possible wherever possible, and we shot that scene kind of in the middle of the night. Um, I think James and May, Mila worked overtime on Oz and they came straight from Oz to our little set in the middle of Detroit. And it was like 2 in the morning, I think. And, uh, we, and, I, I didn't, and they had a, a 6 a.m. call time. I was like, oh my gosh, we got to shoot it quick and fast. Um, so we just, you know, like, I wanted to, you know, like forget the lines and just improv because like James and Mila, they have great chemistry. They're like amazing actors, amazing at improv. And like, don't fight that. Just like, give them the space to to really discover magic. So you know, like I, I just try to like um, be invisible with the technical stuff, like lights and cameras. Be be as as invisible as possible, and just maybe give the actors like a starting point for a scene and an end point for a scene, and let them get there however feels natural and best. You know, but they're yeah. And how about you, James? I mean, was there, uh, did you guys, were you able to do prep work while you were working on, was there moments in Detroit where you were able to sort of rehearse that scene or did you go in there, you know, fresh and cold? Or? No, I mean, we had done, you know, as, a, as when you're teaching a film school, you know, the, the, the professors or teachers don't usually go to the student sets you know you do all the work in the classroom you help the students through pre-production and all that and so um the fact that i was actually on this set was really because i was an actor so i i did all i did a ton of prep with the with the directors um in the first semester where we um 
you know, develop the scripts. Um, I have this um, thing that I do with all my classes where once they have, you know, the second or third draft of a script, I have them go out and, and shoot the entire thing for, you know, they should spend no money on it. They don't need their real actors. They don't use real locations. But they go and approximate all their shots and they say all the lines and, um, and cut it together and to really see it up on the screen so that we don't have to argue back and forth in the script stage. We're making movies, so we should be dealing with moving images, not a, you know words on a page. And, um, and so I have all of them do that, so they all did that for this. And we develop, then you develop the script more after that you see the test and, oh, that was working, or did you, oh, what did you find in your test? And, you know, and it's like, it's, it's, those tests are great because they're low pressure situations where um, directors who haven't been on, you know, you know, 10 movie sets get to be on a set and just try things without real money being spent, without, you know, professional actors looking to them to say, what do I do now? Like, they get to just kind of figure it out, you know, in their own time and just try things. And um, it's a great kind of rehearsal and f for directors. Um, but you also get to see, you know, how your ideas are playing, you know, on camera. And um, so we did all of that. And then... Um, and then once I, once I see that and I watch those tests with the, with the directors, then I can say, this is what I think. I think this is working. What are you going for there? Oh, you were going for that. It's not quite reading. Did you think about this? You know? And once we go through all that, I can kind of sign off and say, all right, um, go for it. You know, I think you're in the right direction. So they did all the, they did all the prep work. Um, um, in Detroit, and they found all the locations, and um, you know, and Bruce and Pedro, the DPs, kind of um, worked out the way that they were going to light it and shoot it, and and all of that. Um, but as far as the actors coming in and working with different directors, it sounds kind of crazy or like a little schizophrenic or something. But it's actually not that different than working on a television show where. You'll have multiple writers, you'll have multiple directors, but at the center, there'll be a concept, there'll be the characters that kind of continue, there'll be you know, storylines that continue. And so once, as a performer, I think once you have that down and everybody involved also understands that these are all connected and building off each other so that one section won't verge, you know, completely away from the others because then, you know, who knows, maybe that section won't make it into the final one because it's like, well, how does this fit? You were going, you know, all the way over there. We were all over here. So everybody knows to kind of stick to the spine of the thing. Um, so I think it's once that's in place, that spine, that through line, stylistically and thematically and, you know, narratively, the actors can kind of go from piece to piece and, and feel like they're still making the same thing. Nice. And uh, this question's for Shruti and Pamela. I mean, this is a student project, but you're also <laughs> directing, uh, you know, a, a very profile actor, high profile actor um, that happens to be your teacher. 
And um, and what is the ner were there a lot of nerves involved with that? What are the stresses of that? And I know you've both sort of uh, gone on to work on really impressive projects right now. So if you could tell us a little bit about what you're working on now. Pam, why don't you go first? Um, no, I don't think there were a lot of nerves. James is a really inspiring and great leader and uh, set the tone for this, like I said, a lot of freedom and ability to experiment. Um, as far as what we're working on next, um, I made a movie called The Adderall Diaries with James and with Bruce um, that we're finishing post on now. Um, and it, that was a collaboration very much born of this one and of knowing each other in film school. I think there's real magic that comes from having this kind of partnership. I feel insanely lucky not everyone gets to have that. Most people don't get to have that. Um, and we all share kind of a passion and you know pool of interests and themes um and i trust them both so much it was you know it is without a doubt the best thing i've gotten to do it was a blast so i went to nyu for my mfa at tisch and i also got my mba at stern so i did two masters and so what i love about this project i was a producer on it and but i also got to direct but since i've ended up producing a lot more and my fourth feature is going to Sundance, so pretty excited about that. But what I love about this, it reminds me of how I, I need to be focusing on my writing and my directing more, and this has been a real reminder, especially with the film coming about. Uh, like, while I love producing, I also love directing equally, and it's been like going back and like having memories of set and working with James and working with my classmates, my Tish friends. Can we all just give like our other directors who are here. Can you stand up, Absolutely, please? absolutely. Because we made this together. Virginia, Shripriya, Edna, Tina. And I feel like there's also, while in, the, in this group of 12, there are about nine countries, I think, represented. And it was amazing, because we also were very international and have very different perspectives. Um, and, but this was really the foundation for so many things and I'm just, I'm super grateful for that. That's great. Um, I think we have another clip to show um, with featuring Zach Braff, who you were talking about earlier. Hey. Hey. I thought you forgot about me. Sorry, man, I lost track of time. Look at you. Let's put the farmers out there. Uh, how was the trip? Easy, quick. What? No, I'm just glad to see you. Me too. Come on, it's just up the road. Okay, so um, now we have some time to throw it to you guys for some questions. I'm studying film studies back in the UK, um, and I act as well a lot. And I was just wondering, is there any advice, actually to all of you really, um, what advice would you give to someone who's pretty much on the cusp of going out into that industry, or any kind of like theatre, you know, theatre, film, what advice could you give? Bruce? Um, <laughs> I think don't be afraid of mistakes and just do it. You know, the more you do it, the better, the better, better we all get. Um, 
and don't, just nothing's stopping you right now from doing any project that you want to do, you know. Um, if you want to act, you want to write, you want to direct, you know, it's do everything, you know. It's awesome. I would say do everything, but also do it with your friends or people you really care about who will also grow with you because it's really hard to do it by yourself. Um, what I try to impress on a lot of my students now is, um, you know, the technology is so available nowadays and you can make a movie on your phone um, and there are so many more, you know, channels and platforms for distribution nowadays that there really is no excuse not to go out and try things. And um, what I found in my own creative life, one of the most important ingredients is um, audience reaction. Before, you know, I went to writing school or film school, I was writing all the time. You know, I was an actor, but I was writing all the time and, and wanting to make my own, direct my own movies, but I wouldn't show anybody my work. And then one of the most important aspects of, of the MFA writing program was that I had to show my work to the other students. And it didn't, at that point, you know, sometimes you get good feedback, sometimes the feedback was just lame. Like, oh, I don't, you don't even like the kind of stuff I'm doing, I don't even want to listen to you. But the fact that other people were going to read it made my relationship with my work so much um, different. I was so much more responsible about what I was doing and I was no longer living in my own private kind of dream world about how good my stuff was or how other people were reading it. Um, they, I was actually getting their reactions. and. Um, and, you know, you also learn, you know, when you put your stuff out there, you learn who to listen to. You find, you know, your, your critics, your mentors, the people who will give you the advice that helps you. And you'll also find that there are a lot of people out there that if they see your stuff, they're not your audience and you don't need to listen to them. And you need, you know, if you want to create work that will go beyond your own private sphere, you need to understand how your work is being read by other people. And, and, and now, today, more than ever, you can. You can put it out there. You can get reactions. So um, there's really no excuse not to just go and do it. There's, yes, you can go through the conventional routes and, and try and please the gatekeepers that are at the top of the industry. But while you're doing that, there's no excuse to not go out and be making stuff and doing stuff while you're, you know, pounding on those doors. And a lot of the times, you know, you'll see if you, if there is talent, if you, you know, if you do kind of figure out oh, your voice, that those small projects are what get you there. You know, um, I was just on SNL and, you know, some of my old friends from SNL, um, Andy Samberg and um, the Lonely Island guys, I think they all started just making their own little silly videos. And then, boom, they were on SNL. And, and so um, go and do that. You know, make your, empower yourself and go and make your own things. And if the first thing you make isn't great, if you really want to do it, then you'll learn from, 
from that first one and you'll, you know, hopefully get better. Hi, um, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Your ideas are really inspiring. Um, I'm a budding actor as well, and I'm curious, this question's for James. Um, when you're approached with new work, what aspects of the project are the most important to you? And also, are there any directors who you'd work with regardless of the character you were offered? Yeah, um, as an actor, you know, I, um, you know, I think, you know, when I was a younger actor, I, I realized that I was really focused on myself more than the project. And I would, you know, do a ton of work for the character, but it was really to kind of make myself look good rather than um, try and help the project be the best that it could be. And, and now that I am a director and I understand, you know, what a director really needs, um, when I'm hired as an actor, I see my job as, you know, helping the director achieve his or her vision and really um, trying to make the whole project, uh, you know, as good as, as possible. Because, you know, as an actor in film and television, you are, you're just one piece of the puzzle and you're only as good as the people you're working with and the context you're in. This is why you can see great actors be great in one movie and then you're like, wow, what happened in that movie? They're, they're okay, but they just weren't as good. And it's, it's not that they were suddenly bad actors. It's like, no, it's the context. It's the material they're working with. So I try to just, um, A, find good material, find people I trust, people I like working with, and then serve the project. And um, and I guess as an actor, you know, I just trying to figure out the character, you know, basically, you know, just in broad strokes, there's the inner side of the character and the outer side of the character. And the inner side, you know, you just try and find out, you know, who is this person? What is his or her worldview? And, and I try to just find one essential desire, one essential need for that character. What is this, just within the confines of that story, what does that character want? In Pineapple Express, that character wants a friend. He really wants a friend. If I didn't emphasize that, it would have just been a stoner comedy, but I think that movie is more than a stoner comedy. It, it, it resonates deeper than, than just you know that. So, and I think, I truly believe a lot of that comes from the character being grounded in this basic need. Um, you know, and so um, Spring Breakers, you know, there's a crazy character who if I think if I did it poorly, he would just be all surface. He would just be a clown. But actually underneath, he finds his soulmates. And again, he just wants to connect. He just wants some friends, you know, and that grounds that character and keeps him from being completely ridiculous and actually I think makes the movie watchable because you're now watching human connection, human emotion underneath all of that surface flash and silliness. And, um, and so as an actor, I always try and find that no matter what I'm in, you know, I try to find that, you know, something as, you know, something like a Jason Statham action movie, you know, where I'm the villain. Even then, I'm trying to, there's a character who just wants, he just wants kind of 
the life that we all have. He just wants the good life and he's, he's been kept down so long. He sees his ticket. Unfortunately, his ticket to that good life involves taking out another human. So that makes him a villain. But deep down, he wants what we all want. He wants a good life. He wants, you know, he, he, he wants out of his bad situation. Um, and it's just that his, his actions make him a villain, but his desires don't. And that grounds him again. It makes him watchable, makes him more than just a cardboard villain. Um, and to your second question, you know, I, I've learned to be very director-driven, to go along with that idea that you're only as good as the people you work with. And I believe that film make, films are work best when they're, you know, uh, a director's medium. And not to say that I don't like collaborative directors, but in the end, I think when it's one person's kind of vision and not catering to a bunch of visions, um, it just kind of works the best. And so, um, or, or if there are multiple, you know, directors that they're all aiming for, you know, a unified concept or a unified idea. And so that's the kind of director of the thing. And, um, and so there are a lot of directors who, regardless of the role, I would just, you know, work with. Um, I've worked with a lot of them, so. This question's for James. My name is Evan, a big Spider-Man fan, big odds, great and powerful fan. And if you want to answer this question, Bruce, you can as well. Uh, for the Spider-Man movies and the odds, great and powerful, what was Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst like from your point of view? What, what, and what was it like working with Michelle Williams and Osgood and Powerful and, and Joey King as well? And, and the other question is, uh, what was it like working with Marvel and Disney and being in the studio to get both studios? I'm glad you asked that. I think everybody was going to ask that. And um, you, you did. So... Um, <laughs> um, Toby and Kirsten were great, you know. Um, though, you know, the Spider-Man movies were, you know, I really believe that first Spider-Man trilogy and the early X-Men movies really set the the template for, you know, this new round of of superhero movies, and you can see um, that they both. Um, you know, have origin stories built into the narratives that, you know, you can find in a lot of these movies now. And um, the idea that you can use, um, you know, that you can use good actors for these movies and also that you can give these superhero stories um, real scenes and real drama, you know, that that was, I think, in some ways kind of a, fairly new idea that um, that the character arcs and the and the drama that they were going through was just as important as the action scenes and I think um, that you know it, it, it forced people to kind of take the superhero movies a little more seriously and on top of that you know the effects nowadays have developed to the to a point where they really could capture the more fantastic um, powers of the Marvel characters, you know, where before the, the effects weren't quite up to, you know, the needs to uh, of those of capturing those powers on screen. Um, 
but Toby and Kirsten, um, they're still, you know, very good friends and, and we kind of grew up together in, in the business and, um, um, I'm still, I know I'm still pretty close with both of them. Uh, Oz Great and Powerful was a great experience for me because I got to work with Sam Raimi again, but now as the lead character and... He's just a, such a great collaborator, and he works on these huge movies, but he really makes it a point to have everybody contribute ideas, from the actors to the designers to the effects people. I mean, everybody is in the you know conversations about how it's made, and, um, and because of that, he's a real pleasure to work with. Um, and he also, you know, people ask me, like, what I've learned from the different directors and what I what I take onto my sets when I direct. And it sounds like a small thing, but it's actually not. You know, Sam Raimi is so fun to be around. If you go to his sets, he's telling jokes. And even though each day on that movie costs probably more than a million dollars, he's still having fun. And, um, and that makes everybody happy to be on set. And that's what you want. You want a happy set. At least I do. You know, I I spent too many years as a young actor torturing myself for nothing. You know, because my performances weren't any better when I tortured myself than they are when I enjoy myself and work with people that I like. So, um, and so I I really take that lesson and try to make myself my sets fun places to be because then people want to contribute and you know movie sets are hard you know you're always especially on the artistic movies like this you're always racing the sun you're always chasing the, you know racing the clock and if you have a group of people that want to be there and you don't you know you miss a shot or you need one more shot or you need them to go over time they're much more apt to say all right we'll do it we'll do it then if you're a jerk they're gonna be like yeah sorry union rules uh we gotta go uh so, um, so I learned that from, from Sam Raimi and, um, and Michelle Williams, you know, she's a, she's a great actress. She's a perfectionist. She works really, really, really hard at everything she does. And, um, I think Oz was a really great movie for her because she has a daughter and it was like a, one of, one of her only movies that she could bring her daughter to. And, um, <laughs> and, um, I think that was really a special experience for her. Um, I think that note about Sam Raimi is really a great note on uh, to end on with this uh, project about directors. I'd like to thank Pamela, Bruce, Shruti, and James for joining us today. Thank you so uh, much. Make sure you thank check you. out you The Color of Time on VOD and iTunes right now and in theaters on Friday and follow at... Uh, it's, the, it's Color of Time Film on Twitter. On Twitter, exactly. Thank you so much, guys. Support thank you. these directors. Thank you. Thank you.